Hi friends, welcome to the By Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Hoover, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week this season, I'm talking with a guest about a specific experience in their life, letting us step into their shoes so we can learn better how to love our brothers, sisters, family members, and neighbors. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by The Good Book Company, publisher of The Christmas We Didn't Expect by David Mathis. Life is full of unexpected twists and turns, and this has been particularly so in 2020. But the most unexpected and significant event in the history of the world actually happened over 2,000 years ago when God himself became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. These Advent reflections help us to lift our eyes to the wonder of the Incarnation and worship the one who came to save us and make our futures certain. Pick up a copy of The Christmas We Didn't Expect at thegoodbook.com or wherever good books are sold. Support for By Faith is provided by B&H Publishers, publisher of What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? by J.D. Greer. All of us want our lives to matter, to mean something. But no matter what age or stage of life we're in, we're faced with the difficult question, what are you going to do with your life? In this book, pastor and author J.D. Greer considers Jesus' radical call to give our life away to the greatest cause of all, to view life from the perspective of eternity, and to start making decisions now that you'll be glad you made then. If you have a young adult in your life that is about to graduate or is facing a decision about the direction their life is headed, grab this book for them. But it's also a great reminder for all of us to consider what God may be calling us to do with our lives. Today, my guest on By Faith is Denise Cabrera. Denise and her husband, Felix, are planting a church in their native Puerto Rico. God called them back home after Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico a few years ago, and they left the church that they planted and loved in Oklahoma to obey God and to start over at a time when Puerto Rico was in great need. Denise shares what it's like to be a church planting wife and both the joys and challenges of obeying God. So whether you're in ministry or not, as you listen to Denise, I know you will be encouraged to persevere in serving the Lord wherever He has you. Here, friends, is my conversation with Denise Cabrera. Thank you, Denise, for joining me on my podcast. I'm so glad to have you. I am so happy to be here. It is amazing to actually be here. I listen to you (laughs) on your podcast, so I was just honored honored well it's an honor for me i actually got to meet you i quote unquote meet you through zoom uh, i don't i don't even remember when that was a few months ago i guess and i got to share with some of the wives there in puerto rico where you live who whose husbands are planting which really means the wives are planting too <laughs> and um and also some pastors wives and church planters in oklahoma right or were they all yeah. over the us all over the U.S., Colorado, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some in uh, several in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So when I met you, you were the translator for me, and I was just so impressed with you and so thankful for the work that you and your husband are doing there. So I just wanted to have you on. I want my listeners to meet you. So why don't you start by introducing yourself and your family and tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Well, um, my name is Denise Cabrera. I am married to Felix Cabrera, and we've been married for 19 years now. We have two beautiful daughters, um, a senior this year, um, Andrea Nicole. She's 17 years old, and I have 
the baby. She is 13 um, now this month, um, and she's in seventh grade. We do homeschool, so it's been a journey, five years in this, only because God called me to. <laughs> I'm a teacher by profession, a preschool teacher, but I've never imagined I would be homeschooling. Uh -huh. um, but it's been a blessing. Um, it's one of those things that God has used to humble me and to be more <laughs> dependent on him every day. <laughs> yes, I imagine. Um, and tell us about also, where you guys live and what you're doing there. Well, um, we're in our island is Puerto Rico in the Caribbean. Um, we just arrived uh, two years ago. We were in Oklahoma for a couple years, and God had called my husband here to plant a church. Mm -hmm. Plant a church, also, he's the director of the uh, Baptist Convention here, Southern Baptist Convention. Um, so he has several hats that he wears here when we came back. Yes. Um, and it's, even though we're from here, we're both Puerto Ricans, I feel like a missionary in my own island. <laughs> Why do you say that? And, well, I think it was more than um, eight to nine years that we were in the mainland and in Oklahoma and everything is just so different. And it's so different from the Puerto Rico I knew because of what happened after Maria. Mm -hmm. So it's like a new Puerto Rican that I'm getting used to, um, even though spiritually it, it has evolved into a very hard place to minister because mm -hmm. everybody here has an idea of God or is Christian um, unfortunately their lives don't demonstrate that so mm -hmm. it's hard to speak about a savior if someone does not know they need a savior uh -huh. so um, but it's been uh, now I could say a joyful ride um, even though at the beginning it was a little bit hard yeah well take us back to did you meet Felix in Puerto Rico or did y'all meet in the mainland? No, we met in Puerto Rico. Uh, <laughs> Felix and I did sports. I played volleyball and I had a scholarship to play in the city. And that was the school where he studied all his life. He had already graduated. He was in his um, uh, fresh, freshman in college, would that be it? Yes. And um, I was in 11th grade when we met in that school. He was actually... Uh, a scout for basketball players at that time oh. for his own uh, for our academy. So he was scouting out the girls instead. Uh, <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> and and it was uh, a difficult time in the sense that I'm from the country or the mountainside of Puerto Rico, and here I am in the city in this new school. I didn't know anybody. I just came to play volleyball with my sister. That's what we did. And um, it, it was a door that God opened for me and also helped me get into college uh, with a, um, a scholarship. So. Oh, that's great. So tell me mm -hmm. about how you guys ended up in Oklahoma. How did God call you there? <laughs> it's funny because that is the question everybody asks. <laughs> how did you end up in Oklahoma? Well, uh, my brother-in-law lived there. He studied there. Uh, in college, university, and um, he lived there. And him and my husband are very close. They spoke almost every day. And for a few years, Ruben kept saying, Felix, there's a big need 
here in the north of Oklahoma for a good uh, sound doctrine Hispanic church. And um, he finished was doing ministry here in Puerto Rico. And we didn't think that was a possibility until it was a possibility. And um, the economy here went down. We had a, a preschool. It's more like a, um, like a Mother's Day out uh-huh. that we would have over there. Um, and the preschool was doing well. The economy hit and all the parents started taking out their kids from school and, you know, taking them to family members that could take care of them. So I was without a job. And um, Felix worked for a nonprofit rehabilitation center. Mm-hmm. And that was, in that time, it was real hard in the sense that we had very little, they had very little staff, but most of them were graduates from the same program. So when the economy hit so hard, we made the decision whether it was Felix keeping his job or allowing um, those men that worked so hard um, to keep theirs. So it, it was it was kind of a simple decision to make because we didn't want to put um, those men in harm's way or uh-huh. they're, they're very vulnerable. You know, that's uh-huh. one of the things they need to have a little stability. And so we were both without a job. I started sending out my resume here in Puerto Rico. My family's from Jersey, over there in New Jersey, Texas, anywhere where there's a lot of Hispanics uh, um, that might needed a bilingual teacher. Uh-huh. And the last thing I said, hey, let's send some to Oklahoma. And that's exactly what we did. And it was the only call I received. Uh. <laughs> it was from Oklahoma. <laughs> and then uh, my husband said, well, do you think? Uh, we started praying and we said, let's do this. And that's how we ended up in Oklahoma. Where were you in Oklahoma? Huge leap of faith. Oklahoma City. And oh, then okay. Edmond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And y'all went there purposefully when you, when this happened with the job, did you go with the purpose of starting a church? He had, he had it in his heart. That was the only thing um, him and my brother-in-law can speak about. And I was, you know, I, I've learned in being married with him. He has a lot of uh, ideas and um, anything he puts his mind to is something that he eventually does. So I had a sense that we were going to do it because um, we were already doing ministry in Puerto Rico, but not church planting, which is very different. And I learned it's not the same thing being a pastor's wife than a church planter's wife. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just um, delighted that God was calling him to do this. I just didn't know <laughs> exactly what it was at that time. Uh-huh. Same thing happened to me when God called us a church plant. I really had no concept of what that meant. And this was in 2008 when we started. So it was kind of on the cusp of becoming a little more known and, and a lot of people doing it. I don't know what year this was for you guys. What year in Oklahoma? Um, 2011. Okay. So I had no concept of what it meant. And I am so, I want, I know the answer to the question, but I would love for you to answer for those listening. You just said the difference between being a pastor's wife and a church and doing church planting. Tell us the difference. What did, what did you mean by that? 
Well, when we when he was a pastor here, I really didn't do much. <laughs> it was just more just me being there, taking care of, you know, the family and the kids. Uh, when we go into church planting, it needs me doing anything that had to be done uh-huh. and be willing to do it, too. Uh-huh. Um, I remember that the first year, one of the things that he asked me to do was to call people and to do follow up. That was the the thing that was most difficult for me to do because I'm not good in, in you know, conversation. If I don't know the person, it's hard for me to just uh, whip up a conversation in a minute and, you know, just follow up and, uh, or keep his agenda. Uh, another thing that, you know, it wasn't something that I was uh, used to, I was used to working with kids. But at that time, that wasn't the need. So one of the things that, um, I learned, I just have to be willing, you know, and, and, and I am his helper. So whatever he needs me to do, if I'm capable of doing it, whether I think so or not, right, um, I just wanted to help him out. And that was my um, contribution to the ministry at that time, um, going from evangelizing door to door to designing something that had to be uh, given out at the service or mm-hmm. at the houses or wherever we were. Um, and that, that's what I did. It, and it wasn't uh, slightly what I had in mind. <laughs> I thought I was just going to, you know, just be along with him and um, do serve in the church. Uh-huh. I just didn't know how that serving looked. Right. That yeah. it might be, you know, just, night uh just alongside him uh prepping for a different uh evangelizing activity um at the same time taking care of the girls you know school I worked back then um so all of that together and it was just a a humbling experience yeah very humbling experience because it drew me to be totally dependent on God. Yes. Not on all the things that I thought I could do. No. Uh, but everything that uh, he was asking me to do for him. Uh-huh. And seeing that I was not only doing it for my husband, but I was actually doing it for God. Yeah. That helped sometimes in those times where, you know, I have to, I have to go to work and I'm a teacher. When I come out, I have to correct some papers. I have to cook and take care of the girls. And then we have service and, all this at the same time, um, I kind of uh, learned that everything I did, I did for God. Uh-huh. So my perspective and my heart started shifting towards the right place. Hmm. Um, and it, cause it comes to a point where it can become a burden, you know, um, of stretching yourself on all these different places. Yes. But I learned something. Actually, you taught it to me. Because after a few years, um, I read the book, uh, The Church Planting White. And knowing (laughs) that I just have to do whatever he needs me to do. I don't have to be in everything Um, that I learned after a couple of years. Uh And it was just so liberating to actually do uh, what God was asking me to do. It wasn't everything, but um, that changed completely Uh the way I was able to serve Uh in the church plant. I would love for you to, uh, I, re- I asked you to come on because I wanted you to speak to the church planting wife's experience. Um, 
and I know that there are women listening who are church leading wives and some who aren't that are in situations where they, they are required because of circumstances or roles that God has them to do many things that they don't necessarily feel gifted for or passionate about. And it has become somewhat of a burden or something that they don't love. What have you learned about through church planting about how do you do those things? Where do you find the motivation to continue in that? Because you know, that's what God has for you. I think is setting my heart and knowing that everything, everything that I do, I should be doing it for him. So sometimes I have to do things in my own house, things that I don't like, uh-huh. <laughs> or I wish I would be doing some other things. But when I keep my keep telling my heart and, and preaching the word and saying, you know, this is what you want me to do for this season or at this time or at this moment, and I want to do it. I want to do it for you, understanding that is my part of worship. That is my part of, of his calling for my life at that time. Mm-hmm. And in church planting, I learned this. There's seasons. Everything has a season. You know, um, at the beginning, I was doing so many things. Then the idea, you know, of getting new people in the church and people growing in the word, then being able to serve and you serve alongside him. I don't have to do everything. Then I, I learned that if I teach, you know, if I teach them and if I, I work with them and we serve together, then it's not something that I have to be in every ministry. But at the beginning, I didn't think that. So it was kind of hard yeah. uh, to, to, to shift in that idea. But knowing that we do it for the Lord and if he has us doing it, that's exactly what he wants us to do. So if I should keep in my plate what he wants me to do for this time this season at this moment Mm -hmm. um and it's um keeping my eyes on what he wants me to do Mm -hmm. sometimes we 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 wonder you know and and we start um looking outside or on the other side or comparing ourselves to what others are doing and that just hinders the work that god wants to do in our lives and in our ministry and in our church plan Uh uh-huh yeah That's so good. Can you speak to some of the challenges that you faced as a church planning wife? We've kind of, you've kind of mentioned some, but what are some of the challenges? And of course, then we want to hear the joys as well, but can you Mm. speak for the church planning wives out there for, for, you know, I'm, I'm imagining that people are listening in who it's hard to wrap your mind around what that means to be in church planning, but what are some of the challenges that you could describe to them that you faced? I think one of my biggest challenge, because we're doing church planting again, um, is managing my time, being a good stewardship of my time. Like I said, I like to do what God is calling me to do at the moment, but sometimes I want to wander off and get some other stuff in my plate that then I can't handle. Then Felix has to be <laughs> telling me, are you sure you're doing everything you were supposed to be doing? Or did you grab some other uh, uh, task along the way? And that always helps me come back 
you know, uh-huh. and, and reflect. I think the time management um, challenges, expectations people might have of how I should be uh, conducting myself in the church or, uh, or doing, right, in the church, that's always been um, fun and challenging at the same time. Because my answer always is, well, this is what the pastor told me to do. <laughs> so that kind of, you know, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. And um, other challenges would be when you don't see people that are grateful. In my case, it hasn't been much to be grateful to me, but to my husband. You know, see how much time he invests, how much time in prayer, time in the word, time with people. And people don't sometimes appreciate that, which is time with them, not time with us. You know, so um, that's always been kind of challenging and hurting. Mm -hmm. But I also learned that we have to keep our hearts clean. And when stuff like this happens, go to the Lord and pray and ask the Lord, you know, to, to, to fill our hearts mm-hmm. with what we might need at that moment. Yes. Yeah. I take great comfort in knowing that God sees a lot of times when I struggled, the, the things, I mean, I could just cry right along with you uh, about these things because there are, I think, especially for the wife, there are these, what, what I would call hidden vulnerabilities that we feel everything for our husbands and our church. And, and we want so badly for their good, both our husband and our church. Um, and, 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 Sometimes another challenge going right along, you know, that affects our husbands is that maybe we don't see the, the fruit at a certain time or um, what we expected it would happen. Uh-huh. And that's always been challenging because I, even though um, I see how it might affect my husband, uh, I, I can't like be next to him saying, yeah, I understand. I mean, I do have to understand, but I don't want to throw in more of what he's feeling. I want to be his cheerleader and I want to, you know, uh, give him a word of encouragement. And sometimes what is challenging is that I need the encouragement in order to give him encouragement. So, and being in church plan to be in a way, right? And not having people at the beginning to be with you I think that's where I learned to just go straight in prayer, you know, just, just dive myself in the word and allow God to fill me so I can give encouragement to, to my husband. And if we were, and that's something we learned at the beginning of the church plant, you know, uh, we prepare for as many as can come, but we are grateful if one comes and if nobody comes, we are still grateful to the Lord and we did what we had to do. And when we learned that, it was just totally different uh-huh. to at the beginning, you know, when we find some frustration in our efforts. And, and it's, that's just depending because 
the church is his, not ours. And that's something that we learned um, earlier in church planting that has helped us throughout the years. That's so good. It really redefined, you redefined the definition of success in church planting and, and that I can, I totally can relate to what you just said. So what about the, the joys? Are there specific joys for you in church planting? The biggest joy I, I see is seeing God's word work and transform the lives of the people. Seeing lives that were destroyed, devastated, and had no hope. See how the gospel comes in and just transforms it. That is my biggest joy to see um, ladies that come in with different difficulties, um, not knowing who God is. And then when they understand it and who he is, that he has called them to salvation. And that, that just blows my mind. That, that's my biggest joy. Uh-huh. To see how um, a seed is planted and see how it starts growing and growing. And, in church planting, we get to see that seed grow and because they start serving alongside of us. You know, this, this new believer, a couple years, he's serving with us. Uh, um, maybe God has called him to even the ministry. And that for me is just so joyful to be able to share my life with other ladies, uh, with the brothers and sisters in the church, but specifically the, the women in the church and to grow and walk together. Um, that fills my heart with joy mm-hmm. and to have my family with me, you know, my girls see, uh, walking uh, with us. That is also something that brings me joy and that I see them, that they, they, they understand it. They enjoy it and they love the people of the church. That gives me joy. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's really good. Well, you say, that being obedient to God's will is not always a joyful ride. There are challenges and there are joys. Can you explain what you mean by that? And how do you pursue contentment in obeying God's will for you when it's difficult? Well, I think um, in this particular case, in, in two years ago, where God asked us to come back right, to come back to Puerto Rico, I don't think I have had a problem or any difficulties in obeying God's will. But at that time, it wasn't joyful. It was the most hurtful thing (laughs) that I've been through because I loved so much the people in that church. Mm. And we grew together. And I just felt like I was just, torn apart, mm. you know? So in that case, um, when, when this happened, and I kept saying, well, I'm being obedient. I'm being obedient. But then I read, you know, I have learned the secret of being content in any or in every situation in Philippians. And I was just, I'm not being content. So part of being obedient is having content also. So I want to do God's will, be obedient, but have contentment. So going back to his word, and it was like God really, really wanted me to go into contentment because every portion of the word I read, it had to do with contentment. 
if anybody was speaking, even Felix preaching, he was talking about contentment. And, and other brothers that I would listen to, they were talking about contentment. And I, you know what, God, I surrender. I, I, I want not only to be obedient, you know, and sometimes we take, I'm being obedient, and that was like my um, award, you know, my own award. Yes. I'm being obedient. Look, everything I left. Yeah. This is the thing. And it was recently when you were speaking to us <laughs> in, in, with the church planter's wife um, that I'm not Christ. I, I didn't die for those brothers and sisters over there. Christ did. So he loves them more than what I can love them. So I have, it was like God threw me in my plate. Mm. You know, and then um, being able to go into his word and, and knowing, you know, I, I trust the Lord because he is good. There's Psalm 37. It, his verses just pounded in my mind. And take delight in the Lord. He is my most delight. He is sufficient for me. And even though I love my church back in Oklahoma and the ladies there, he is my delight. Mm. And then I think once I was able to express it, confess also and share it, um, then the word started uh, working in my heart. And one of the things that that verse at the end says, um, take the light of the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I had to write it down because I only know the Bible in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like to translate the words so I wrote it down. Um, the desires of my heart was to love the people that God has given us here now with true love uh -huh. and not just thinking of the people that I left. Mm. So that was one of the desires of my heart, you know, to, to be able to love unto the people that he would bring to a new church to our new church plant. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what he did. And when COVID hit now, being able to be with all the ladies in our church, in a discipleship, through Zoom, we actually were able to solidify our relations. And we were able to know each other and we were able to grow together. And I, I was able to see God's work mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. So it's not always uh, a joyful ride in obedience to the Lord and to his will. Uh, but at the end, he will take us there. Yes. He will take us to be, to, for it to be a joyful, to be obedient, and to have contentment. So at the end, I just have to trust him. And sometimes that's what we don't want to, we want to take, you know, control of everything. Uh -huh. And um, that's what the Lord taught me through this season of my life. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I think especially starting again, people always ask us, would you ever plant again? And I just think, Lord, please no, please no, please no. <laughs> but you did it. And I can't, I mean, that, I think sometimes I, what you said about putting the badge of honor of obedience, sometimes I, I want to do that. Like I check, I obeyed. And he keeps asking us for obedience. And that's what is hard. Like the yes to go sometimes it's not the hardest part. It's the staying and the continuing on. Mm -hmm. and, and it sounds like, or I would like to hear from you now that you're two years in, can you kind of see why God brought you back to Puerto Rico? Yes. yes. Why, why do you think? 
Yes. Well, there's a great need. Yeah. Uh, there's a great need of sound doctrine. There's a great need of churches that would preach the gospel just how it is. <laughs> there's a great need of fellowship in the churches. Um, there's a great need of accountability and learning, you know, that, that we're part of one family and um, I care for you so much that I really want to live your life with you. I mean, we're not called as Christians to live by ourselves. Um, and here, that's something that's been taught. You are to preserve yourself. You're not to share any obstacles that you're having, any temptations that you're going through, any fears. Um, there's a great um, movement of the uh, prosperity gospel, too. So everybody's in victory, and, and, and it's just so opposite to what God calls us to do. You know, we, it, it's good to be vulnerable and to share where I, I have most need. And if I need prayer, even prayer, uh, I, I need a brother or sister to walk alongside me. So um, coming to Puerto Rico, there, there's a great need. And we were able to see that because at, we were called where Felix was called after Hurricane Maria hit. And Hurricane Maria hit on September 20th, 2017. And the island was in total devastation. I mean, I had, we had the privilege to come in a week and a half after and stay 19 days after it hit. But it was just catastrophic. Uh -huh. I had never seen my island like that. It's always green and it looked like a fire just went through and it was a hurricane. Wow. There was no leaves. There was no green. It was just, uh, it was hard for us to see. I mean, it was 155 miles per hour wind. Wow. Um, there was no electricity for over six months on people, especially in the, um, in the city they had. But there were people that went for a year without electricity. There was no running water. There was no drinking water. So all of this, and we come in uh, a week and a half after, and we just seen everything. And we were just looking all around. And there was a physical need, you know, mm -hmm. but there was also the people, I mean, they were just blank. You could see it in their eyes. Oh. There was no hope. So um, when we served here, um, after 19 days, we went back to Oklahoma and we turned on, oh, and in that time, I'm sorry, Felix was talking and working with the pastors. Mm -hmm. And there was this incident that just changed my heart completely. We were in the only uh, Burger King that had electricity because <laughs> they had a, a, a power plant. And he had several pastors there and I had never seen so many grown men cry, uh, cry. And they were in the kids section. We, Felix spoke to the manager and see if they could, you know, the pastors could meet on that side. And I was inside with my girls and another pastor's, church planter's wife, and they were just weeping. And you could hear them outside because they've been serving for these two weeks and they were themselves in need. 
their houses were also affected. So after that, and going back to Oklahoma, when, we, when I opened the door and I turned on the light, and then I went and took a bath, like a real bath after 19 days, because we were taking a, a, a shower with a little gallon of water uh, because there wasn't any water. Um, and I took that shower and we sat down and we turned on the TV and we started seeing the news of Puerto Rico. Felix and I, we just started crying. There was a lot of need. And we were so comfortable. We had everything back that was taken from us during, those, during that time. Then that Sunday we went to church and we sat in our church and while we were worshiping, I looked at this and said, does it feel different? It, it was just a different, I mean, every time we left our church and we went back, we were happy to be there, you know? We, we just arrived to, with our family, church family. And at that time, we were just, it was just hard in our hearts. It was, I cannot explain it, but that was the moment where uh, we started thinking and he started praying and maybe God was calling us back. And then uh, um, uh, Nam um, called him to see if he was willing to, to go, but we really wanted, the church plant was flowing. I mean, it had been several years where all the ministries were already running. Uh, he had established a church planting network where we had a residency program where church planters came and they prepared and then uh, we would send them to the church. Um, so we had all that. And um, at the first few months, we, we wrestled with God with the idea and then we surrendered and said, yes, I think God is calling us back. I mean, there's no doubt. And I had that conviction. I knew God was calling us back. I think that's why it was so hard for me to understand why I didn't have contentment or why if I was obedient to his call of going back. So um, it, it just worked, that, worked out that way. I mean, um, um, the coming back represented that we were going to start from scratch. Yes. And like you said, I don't know how many church planters wives felt like I did. Um, you know, I think I thought I was going to stay in Oklahoma and maybe move to Kansas because my daughter, my oldest is thinking of going to Midwestern, you know, oh, yeah. so that's what I had in plan. But that reminded me um, of preaching uh, um, David Platt. And we were, well, there was a lot of missionaries and he was talking about that we were a blank check. And I was so excited for the missionaries there. I was so excited. That, that's a powerful word. That's exactly <laughs> the encouragement they need. Little did I know that a couple years later, I was going to be, you know, my check was going to be sent back to Puerto Rico because uh -huh. that was not in our um, plans at all. Uh-huh. But that's a way that we learn to trust the Lord yeah. and his calling. Uh -huh. And now when I see what God is doing here, I have no doubt, uh -huh. no doubt that we're in the place that he called us to be. I'm so glad you're there. And I would love to hear how Puerto Rico is doing, you know, because there's been earthquakes since the hurricane. I mean, y'all, y'all have been through the ringer. 
So how is the, how is Puerto Rico doing now? Well, COVID has hit hard too. There's a lot of, uh, I think like everywhere right now in the U.S. too, uh, the businesses and all that. But one thing I could see is that the churches are stronger. At least our church plants here have, have flourished. And um, our pastors have been working day and night through the earthquakes, they were serving. Uh, through uh, COVID, we were serving and we were, um, they were still working so hard for the church and for the communities. And I think that all these hardships have, uh, God has like lit the church mm. and we're visible to the communities around us. And that's been a blessing. They, they know they can count with our churches here uh, of the SEC and they, they see uh, how much, and I've seen how the pastors just love their sheep. They love their churches. And it's been, I think it's been a plus for us here. All those hardships have just um, installed in, 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 in our pastors and the pastors' wives also and their families because it's not that we're helping somebody that's in need it's that we're in need ourselves and we're helping others so it's just a different uh perspective on it and and it's just been a blessing wow. it's been a blessing to see them and even we're like you know working uh constantly like they have been doing um they might get weary but they're having themselves or the other pastors and that network that they have and those relationships that they have, the same thing as us, the church planting wise, that has helped us through these hardships. Mm. We know that we could trust the Lord, but we also have people around us that could pray and, and don't have any problems or no shame in asking for prayer or asking for help. And, and that's just something that we had not seen before here. Like I told you before, everybody just kept in their own space uh -huh. and not wanting to, to actually show uh, any vulnerability or need or whatever, but that's not the case now. Um, and I've seen that work through that, hmm. especially through the hardships. Ah, that's encouraging to hear. And Denise, I would love just in closing for you to speak to the church planting wives who are listening and what would you tell them wherever they are? And I'm thinking specifically what you've learned about who God is. What would you speak to them today? Just as a word of encouragement. I would say, trust the Lord, trust the Lord where he might be leading you. Trust the Lord where he is taking you and trust the Lord where you're at because he knows better and we could truly trust in him, trust his word um, and just be totally dependent on him. Thank you so much. I, this has been an encouragement to me just to speak with you. Anytime I get to hear what God is doing around the world. It is such an encouragement to my heart. And I know that for people listening, whether they are in any sort of vocation ministry or not, they have been encouraged to hear that we have a sister and a brother in Puerto Rico who are out there sharing the gospel and tilling the soil and seeing 
you know, sprigs and plants coming up out of the ground. People are being saved. And we're just so thankful for your work there. And uh, I, I would love, I've never asked anybody before, but just as we close, are there things that we as listeners can be praying for you and Felix about? Um, yes. <laughs> um, you could pray so that we could continue to be faithful to the Lord for strength, wisdom, and more passion every day for, for the sharing the gospel. That would be our prayer request. Okay. Well, thank you, Denise. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for sharing with us and being vulnerable with us. And uh, we're just so encouraged. So thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for everything. Thank you for listening to My Faith. Friends, join me next week as I chat with Don Barton, author of the new book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry. Don has been through a whole lot in her life, and one of those difficult circumstances was a cancer diagnosis. In our conversation, Dawn shares about her cancer diagnosis, the chemo treatments that she endured, and why she now says that cancer was a strange and unexpected gift. Until then, friends, have a great week and keep walking forward by faith.